How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars and formula one this is the final inspection show presented by the legendary great lakes dragway in union grove now here's your host steve Saki. and welcome to the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary great lakes dragway in union grove of course today we got the nitrous streetcar brawl happening today and uh, going through the night and also the supercars shootout tomorrow at the legendary great lakes dragway and also like to thank our friends at david hobbs honda make sure to check out davidhobbs.com for all the latest deals in new and certified honda used vehicles at davidhobbs.com also joining me of course is the polish pipe bomb jeff orlowski how are you doing today sir uh if i was doing any better steve it would be illegal i'll tell you that <laughs> and of course, uh, we uh, breaking news. Of course, breaking news on the fan is brought to you by Pennzoil. Motor oils made from natural gas. The proof is in the Pennzoil, and we have uh, breaking NASCAR news. Of course, and that's Austin Dillon uh, testing positive for uh, COVID nineteen. Uh, this morning, Richard Childers Racing's NASCAR Cup Series driver Austin Dillon tested positive for COVID nineteen in accordance with NASCAR safety protocol. Dillon is self quarantining away from RCR facilities and will not be competing in this weekend's NASCAR Cup Series race on the road course at Daytona. Austin's wife Whitney and a son Ace remain healthy and symptom-free, and Jeff's favorite driver, Kaz Grala, will be driving the number three Chevrolet for RCR this weekend. Reaction from Jeff Orlowski, please. Well, you can't tell me that nothing good has come out of this uh, pandemic here. So, uh, Corona, they set their sights, and, and, and they, they got somebody good. Now, uh, all kidding aside, obviously we, you know, hope that his him and his family are healthy and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and you know, it, it my, immediately what comes to my mind is Jimmy Johnson, and yeah. you know, he tested positive, and then 
basically directly after test had two negative tests was he missed one race um and uh and he was fine so if it was a false positive then that's what it was if it was a you know he's just got a, an immune system like just, you know and a, a super animal and uh was able to fight it off and and beat it in the span of two or three days then then good for him so you know you hope it's not a false positive but um you know, uh, America wins with Austin Dillon not racing. And, you know, the sponsors of NASCAR win because you know Kaz Brawl is going to cause a caution or two. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's going to be a wild race, and we'll talk about that in a second here. I did want to touch base on Michigan. Uh, the twin races at Michigan dominated by Kevin Harvick. And a really interesting stat uh from our friends at NASCAR Hub. I thought there was a pretty cool stat. Uh, this title season versus this season. And, of course, uh, 2014 won the championship. He had 36 starts, uh, five wins, and 14 top fives and 20 top tens. This year, 22 starts. So I guess two-thirds of the starts. He has six wins, 15 top fives, and 20 top tens. Uh, average finish between the two is uh, basically a 13th place in 2014 and 6th uh, place uh, average 5.9 this year. And uh, Kevin Harvick is just is running rough shot over the field, isn't he? Yeah, it was the total Kevin Harvick show last weekend. Uh, you know, he won from, uh, I can't remember if he was on the pole or if he was just on the front row on, in the first race. He wins that one, and then uh, that means that the next day he starts 20th, and what a shocker, he wins that as well. Yes, there was a decent battle at the end. Denny Hamlin's car was on rails at the end. It was probably a little bit faster than the four when uh, when the checker flag flew, but Kevin Harvick gets the, the win again. So it kind of brings into question if, for some reason, something happens and Kevin Harvick does not win the title this year, it, it calls into question the legitimacy of uh, mm-hmm. of the playoffs. And, you know, he, him and Denny Hamlin are both dominating the entire series for the span of the entire season so far. So if neither one of those guys is, is raising the trophy at the end, you know, it's going to be hard to uh, to kind of wrap your, you know, your mind around that and think that you got a legitimate champion uh, for the 2020 season. But with the two wins that Kevin Harvick had last weekend, he pretty much all but locked up uh, the regular season title, which will give him a bunch more playoff points when he enters it. So basically he could probably spend a month in the Caribbean, doesn't even have to run any of the races, and he'll still uh, walk you know, right into the championship race at Phoenix. So, you know, good for him. Um, you know, it, it's it's one of those situations. I know I got tired of watching Jimmy Johnson win title after title after title after title, but it didn't seem like Jimmy Johnson was winning, you know, every single week. It was, it was still fairly competitive sure. and stuff like that. So, obviously, if you're a fan of Harvick or Hamlin, you're having a ball this year you're a fan of Kyle Busch or any of the other uh, NASCAR drivers, it's kind of hard to uh, to get too excited about race weekend knowing that chances are you're going to be trailing the 4 and the 11. Yeah, it's, it, it's interesting. If you look at the three top uh, auto racing series, it, it's been domination so far. 
uh, in all three. You look at Formula One with Lewis Hamilton and what Mercedes is doing, and then with IndyCar with Scott Dixon and Chip Ganassi racing, and then uh, the aforementioned Kevin Harvick and Stuart Haas racing. you got a perfect storm of, of experienced drivers who are basically probably at their their pinnacle of 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 that you know the, the that fine line between experience age uh you know knowledge how to set up everything is 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 they're at that sweet spot all of them at that age for IndyCar and NASCAR they're roughly about 40 years old 38 39 40 41 years old is when that it really is the is that sweet zone for drivers to really uh, excel especially with these two with with Dixon and, and Harvick and then with Lewis Hamilton for Formula One a little bit younger of course but Mercedes is such a juggernaut w- uh, w- uh, with their experience and and with the engineering behind them they're just just running over the competition in all three series at this point yeah you know this is not going to be the in a year that has been filled with drama from the virus and from uh you know, everything else that's the protests and civil unrest and all that kind of stuff that's going on. Uh, auto racing is not really, the, at least the top three series, like you said, isn't really providing that much drama to add to uh, to this year. So whether that's a good thing or, you know, uh, it's kind of nice to be able to, to not have too much drama, but it takes away some of the excitement. You know, um, there was when... Jeff Gordon and Tony Stewart and Carl Edwards and uh, Matt Kenseth and insert veteran driver here all retired. And it was the quote unquote youth movement is coming in NASCAR and all these super talented up and coming drivers and, and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's proven where uh, right now, at least the, uh, the veterans are, are stealing the show and uh, dominating, uh, dominating everything so it um you know like i said it it takes a little bit of the excitement away because of how dominant a couple of the cars have been but uh you know and we said it a a a few weeks ago after scott dixon won you know yet another race that uh, you know basically the championship is uh all wrapped up in indycar and they didn't even run you know they haven't run the indy 500 yet but um you know it, it takes some of the drama away but uh you know, you have to appreciate the dominance. You have to appreciate the talent that we're seeing. And, you know, we're lucky to uh, to be able to witness something like this, I think. Yeah, and uh, also re- revisiting Michigan. Uh, we, we all say on the show... You know the racing. Racing should look difficult. We should see the cars out of shape, and and you know we should see the drivers cranking on the wheel, this, that, and the other thing. And and uh, we saw a little bit of that. I thought this was kind of an interesting situation where with Brad Keselowski and Ryan Newman, and uh, w- once again, uh, Fox Sports One had a neat graphic when when they showed uh, on that lap. I think it was uh, lap uh, 96. You know, Keselowski hits his run down the front straightaway. And was five miles an hour faster than Blaney entering turn one. Gets the run, and he's like, "Yeehaw! Here we go!" It loses control. Unfortunately, it took him and and his teammate out, uh, Blaney. But what's interesting when I I grabbed a uh, a freeze frame of when that happened. If you look who's behind him, and then you kind of make sense, it, it's Harvick and Hamlin. So right. you know, here here here's Keselowski who's been battling. 
you know, he's he's got some wins this year, and 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 he's looked good. But he's like, he knows these are two guys to beat. So he he finally gets this run on the front straightaway. He is flying. He's thinking, all right, here we go. I'm going to take this thing right into the league. And uh, yeah, unfortunately for uh, Keselowski and his teammate Blaney and Team Penske, it didn't work out that way, did it? No, it didn't, and, you know, obviously it's not often that you see uh, accidents happen, A, between teammates, and B, between teammates running for the lead. And, uh, you know, it, it goes to show you that, you know, when you have Hamlin and when you have Harvick hot on your on your heels and all that kind of stuff, that, you know, the, the pressure is, is amped up, and... Um, you know, you're you're more likely to make a mistake. And it was, you know, I give Brad Keselowski a ton of credit that he sat there and, uh, you know, he took the blame right away. He hopped out of the car. Right. I got into the corner way too hot. I didn't realize what kind of run I had on him. And I'm very sorry that I took out, A, my teammate and wrecked, you know, his car. And then he apologized to the to the team as a whole. However, it is funny that, you know, this again comes only a couple weeks after Brad Keselowski uh, was talking about how uh, he would like to see NASCAR drivers be able to uh, get demoted in series, uh, (laughs) depending on um, uh, wrecks that they cause and and problems that they cause on the track. So, you know, I kind of got a kick out of that as well. It certainly was. And, uh, for those wondering about today's uh, or tomorrow's race, the goal bowling 235, um, it, it is uh, Kevin Harvick will be on the pole with Hamlin second, followed by Truex, uh, Bush, uh, Logano, Almarola, uh, Chase Elliott, and, and then Kurt Busch, uh, the 21 car, Matt DiBenedetto, and then... Uh, I, now they have Dylan listed there, and I'm wondering if I, I assuming uh, if it's Grala, he has to start from the rear. So that'll be interesting to see how that develops. And uh, how about that, uh, Jeff, with the NASCAR mixing up that starting lineup? Yeah, you know, it, 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 again, they they mix it up right after Kyle Busch drops from 12th to 13th in points. So he wouldn't have had a top 12 position locked in like they did under the original bingo system that they had, uh, random draw, whatever you want to call it. But, uh, you know, it, it seems more fair this way and everything like that. I like the, the other way better. Uh, we talked about this before. I would just put every driver's name in a hat and pick the starting lineup yeah. that way if you're not going to do traditional qualifying but this way is more fair. But, again, you're seeing the cars that dominate the season are going to start in the front all, you know, all the time. So, it, uh, you know, Kevin Harvick doesn't have two, or, and Denny Hamlin don't have too far to go uh, to, uh, to take the checker flag. They don't have to. Harvick just doesn't have to lose a position, and Hamlin has to go plus one uh, by the end of the race. So, it. Uh, takes a little bit of the excitement out for me, I think. Yeah, and I thought this was interesting, too. The Bet Online, um, which is, I guess, a partner with NASCAR or whatever, with uh, a list of Chase Elliott with the favorite this weekend to win the Go Bowling 235 at the road course. Do you, do you like that bet, or, or are you looking for somebody, or are you, are you looking for higher odds at this point? Uh, I'd be looking for higher odds. I think Chase Elliott's a good pick. Uh, 
you know, he's one of the only uh, only Chevys that that have consistently shown a, a ton of speed. Uh, so he's got that going for him. His car has been running phenomenal, and obviously the kid has a world of talent. Um, but if you know, if you're going to give me Harvick, Hamlin, and uh, and Chase Elliott, I'll still take the field. You know, this this uh, we talk about it a bunch. You know that this is a a toss up race. They're running the the 24 hour of Daytona track and. Most of the, these drivers have never done it, except, you know, they all were, I'm sure, locked in their video game rooms and running the simulators all week and everything like that, which is great. And I'm sure it helps, but, you know, it doesn't doesn't equate to on-track experience. So, you know, there's going to be a learning curve, I think. But I think the learning curve will, will go away after the first five to ten laps. These guys are good enough where... After five or ten laps, if you don't have your your line and where to brake and all that kind of stuff figured out, you're going to be in for a real long day anyway. You certainly will. Uh, last night, of course, they had the Arkham Menard series running on the road course, uh, and they ran part of it, or actually, I should say, most of it in the wet and then under drying conditions. Probably the last third of the race, I thought it was a very entertaining uh, race in which the drivers uh, showed self-control. And I think if the Cup Series and the Xfinity Series does the same thing and not drive like idiots and have yellow after yellow after yellow and then red flag after red flag, I think it can be a very good show. Uh, Michael Self won. Ty Gibbs is actually probably the fastest car, uh, but his tires kind of went away, and I thought it was an excellent uh, tire management by Michael Self and Venturini Motorsports by kind of more pacing themselves and let... Ty, Ty Gibbs raced him for for the lead and then kind of burn out his tires and then Self was pretty much pretty easily able to pass him at the end and actually had a I think a five six second uh, lead at the end. Uh, Colin Brown finished uh, 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 third, uh, filling in uh, who for Sam Mayer, so, uh, hopefully soon to be a friend of the show here. We're, we're working on getting him on uh, when the schedule permits. Uh, he, he, of course, got hurt a little bit in that Trans Am race at Road America a couple weeks ago and is, is nursing a, a broken thumb. So he, he drove the first half of the race, and then Braun came in for the second half. I thought he'd be a little more competitive, and then I wonder if it was just a situation where, well, they don't think they didn't want to really get into a real pissy fit with uh, Self and Gibbs, and they were running for points too. So uh, Taylor Gray, they had two 17 cars because they had a, a West Coast driver, Will Rogers, and Taylor Gray, actually both in 17's car, which which really just bugs the hell out of me because you only have 2022 cars starting and you have double the numbers. <laughs> I mean, it's 2020. You can't put a de- you know go to the Go get a decal and take care of that, or or make it seven. You know, it just really irritates me when they do that crap. Same thing with midget racing, but I don't want to get on that rant right now. Uh, they filled out their uh, top five, and the uh, of course, oh, everybody's favorite, Haley Deegan. Haley Deegan. Haley Deegan was sixth. So uh, I thought it was a very entertaining race, though, even though with uh, Arca with their challenge with the car counts and that. But like I said, everybody races instead of wrecking. I, I think we should have some very, very good and entertaining races coming up this weekend at Daytona, Jeff. Yeah, and I do too, but what do you think the odds are of that? We've seen the Xfinity Series, Jesus, at Road America. The yeah. last 10 laps took, you know, 90 minutes, and it got to the to the point where it was just utterly 
painful to watch the end of that race. And, uh, you know, it was a phenomenal race when they were actually under green flag conditions. There was tons of action. It was phenomenal. And, you know, you were, I was very entertained watching it. But the last 10 laps took an hour and a half. And that is completely ridiculous. And with all the pressure that's on the line for the guys in the Cup Series, Xfinity not as much because, you know, let's be honest, they, uh, no one pays attention to the Xfinity Series for the most part. But, uh, you know, the pressure is so big on these guys to get a win, get into the playoffs. If one of these drivers who's outside of the top 16 uh, you know, actually wins this race tomorrow in the Cup Series, that can shake up the points like crazy. So I, while the ARCA Series race last night was great, and I agree, they ran smart. They weren't sitting there overdriving and making stupid moves and, uh, you know, just, just doing dumb things to, to try to, you know, save or gain a tenth or two-tenths of a second on that lap. There is no way that I expect the same thing to be said in the Cup Series tomorrow. And we've seen it week after week in the Xfinity Series where I I don't think it's going to happen there either. Yep. Uh, We have an abbreviated show today, of course, uh, with the Brewery game. The time changed to 2.20 uh, today because of weather. And, of course, you know, that's very important with Major League Baseball. The schedule that they're running now, they really don't want to postpone any games. So they move the game up. And, of course, that moves up the uh, the Pella Windows and Doors uh, of Wisconsin on deck show with Tim Allen. Uh, that will be uh, starting at the top of the hour at 1 o'clock. So we're going to go to 1 o'clock. Where when we come back, we're going to talk some Indy 500 qualifying, which is happening today. And then we'll also talk to Pete Lyons, author of the new book, Shadow. Uh, those who may remember the the old Shadow cars, uh, his, his book, uh, Shadow, the Magnificent Machines, and a Man of Mystery. Uh, of course, the Shadow Racing Team uh, participated in Can-Am Formula and Formula 5000 racing in the 60s and or pri- primarily in the 70s. So uh, looking forward to talking to Pete. And, and, uh, and then we have Fast Eddie Lapine reporting from uh, Florida. We'll get the latest on what's going on in Florida and Daytona and elsewhere. So uh, full show today, but only going to 1 o'clock. So we'll have more on the final inspection show right after this. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove and our friends at David Hobbs Honda. And uh, we have IndyCar, or IndyCar, I should say, Indy 500 qualifying today at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Sands fans, uh, Jeff, uh, what do you think about that? Yep, it, uh, you know, I'm excited for the Indy 500, and obviously... If you want to hear my thoughts on the no fans for for the race, uh, go back to <laughs> last week's show and uh, and check that out with uh, Fan on Demand Radio dot com app, all that, and you can hear that. But um, you know, uh, and there's been some surprises up front, Steve. And uh, you know, who? Why don't you tell everybody who's fast so far? 
Indy, Indy 500 qualifying is prefaced with four-lap uh, qualifying. And uh, one of the stats uh, I thought was very helpful from our friends at NBC Sports Network is they had the best four-lap averages for Indy 500 practice this week. And it, it's been Honda. Honda's been uh, a little bit quicker than the Chevy so far. Um, and it's been uh, it's been Andretti Autosport that's been pr- pretty quick with the fastest overall lap by Marco Andretti so far this month. Uh, but the fastest for the four-lap average has been Ryan Hunter Ray, uh, second Marcus Erickson, and then Graham Rahal was third quick. And then uh, Scott Dixon, who we said uh, in the previous uh, segment, dominating so far this year. In IndyCar season, he's been fourth. Hinchcliffe, who's running part-time this year, is uh, fifth quickest. And then the first Chevy with Will Power, of course, Jeff's favorite IndyCar driver. He is sixth so far in the quickest of the Penske's. Uh, and then we have Takuma Sato, uh, teammate of Graham Rahal, and then the aforementioned Marco Andretti. Uh, all these cars are over uh, 230. Colton Herta, who had, who's had that, not had the best luck at Indianapolis so far in his very young career at ninth. And then Renas VK, uh, the quickest rookie at 10th. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, practice and qualifying is totally different. Look for Team Penske to always rise up. They always do, as well as Chip Ganassi Racing. But it would be nice to see uh, Andretti Autosport at least get a, a, a one or two, two on the front row at Indianapolis because they've been struggling a bit this year. And I know this is one that they all circle on the calendar, Jeff. Yeah, it'd be a huge boost for that team. It, uh, you know, it is it is exciting, and I, I get a kick out of it that uh, that you know, as of now, and like you said, the uh, the four lap and actual qualifying and everything is is a lot different. But at least for now, uh, to see that Penske is having problems keeping up with the with the speed of the Hondas. And, uh, you know, it, it adds more intrigue and it adds another layer of, uh, of drama and storylines for, for the biggest race of the year. So I, I think it's fantastic, you know, and, uh, big, you know, I tip my hat to Rena's VK, man. What a phenomenal start to the season he's having already. And, uh, he's holding his own, like you said, 10th quick. Uh, with the four lap average and and all that, so that's good to see and and good for him. Yeah, and then uh, only one incident so far this year, or I guess you could say major incident this year, and that was two time Formula One world champion Fernando Alonso, of course, who had a, a coming through uh, turn four, got on that little uh, I guess you could call it a curve cement curbing uh, just on the inside of the rumble strips. Uh, hit that, and the car pushed out towards the outside wall, hit the wall at the pretty much the apex or just at the exit at turn four, I guess you could say, uh, and then spun and just missed the attenuator on the, at the pit wall uh, entrance and then hit the inside wall, slid all the way down pit road uh, about four, eh, five stalls away from the first team that was lined up on pit road, so I'm sure it caught their attention. Uh, Alonzo was unhurt, but other than that, a few guys are pushing it. Of course, uh, our friend Santino Ferrucci, who's been on the show, he had a wild a wild moment, as well as a couple others who got pretty close. As they say, you couldn't even get a piece of paper between the tire and the walls, as they've said in the past. So, uh, guys are pushing it, and it'll be interesting to see uh, what qualifying today, what on 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 frozen and of course next week is the indianapolis 500 yeah i i can't wait and you know it's 
been a tradition my entire life. One of the, you know, earliest racing memories I have is every single year sitting down and, and watching the Indy 500 with my dad. And, uh, my dad is not what you would consider a, uh, he was never a quote unquote, you know, huge racing fan. Uh, he did take me to Santa Fe Speedway outside of Chicago all the time when I was a kid to watch the demolition derbies and, uh, late models and stock, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, NASCAR was not typically on, uh, on the TV on the weekends. He was more of a golf and baseball guy, but, uh, Indy 500 was always a tradition and, uh, one that, that I, I pass on. I, you know, I could care less. I wish my kids, uh, wanted to watch every NASCAR race with me every weekend and IndyCar and all that. They do not. But, um, Every year, their butts are parked right next to mine in front of the TV to watch Indianapolis and to watch Daytona 500. So, you know, there's uh, family traditions that uh, you have to keep up, and when they're racing-related, I like them even more. Yeah. Uh, Marco Andretti's lap uh, yesterday of 233.491 was the fastest in practice at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway since 1996. And those may remember that was the first year of the IRL and car breakup, but they were using uh, basically champ car, kart cars at that point, uh, which was um, you know a lot of a lot of Lolas and Reynards and whatnot, very fast cars, of course. So uh, Ari Leindyke with the quickest lap, uh, quickest four lap average too, and quickest lap that year. So um, and that was the first lap or quickest since Ari Leindyke's quickest lap. Uh, uh, 239.260 on May 10th in 1996. So, um, it, the cars are getting quick. Uh, there, I'm sure that arrow arrow screen is helping them a little bit, cut through the wind a little bit uh, quicker. It'll be interesting to see what happens, who gets on the pole today at Indianapolis, and we'll talk more about that uh, in the final segment uh, today with Eddie Lapine. We'll get predictions for the uh, for the poll and then we'll also do predictions for Daytona for the Xfinity race and the cup race tomorrow. Let's take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk to Pete Lyons uh, and we'll talk about his exciting new book on the shadow racing team and, uh, and the man behind the myth uh, coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes, Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda. And joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is Pete Lyons, whose uh, new book, I mean, it's a pretty cool book. I saw it up at Road America a couple weeks ago. It's uh, the book of Shadow Racing, The Magnificent Machines of a Man of Mystery, uh, dealing with Can-Am, Formula, and Formula 5000. Pete, welcome to the show. Good morning, Steve. Great to talk with you. Thanks. 
Uh, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, for, for from some of you like me, who was a kid in the 70s. You know, for me, AFX cars, uh, we, it was it was a it was a, uh, an era which there weren't too many black cars. And black cars, of course, when you're a kid is cool. And we, we all had the AFX cars and whatnot, use them on our slot car tracks. But uh, Shadow was certainly an interesting, uh, thought-provoking team in that. But maybe uh, tell the listeners a bit about the, the uh, uh, Don Nichols, who was the man behind the, the team. Well, uh, there's a lot of people who would probably say black was an appropriate color for Don Nichols because he deliberately kept himself a rather shadowy figure. There was the, you know, first of all, he was an innately reserved fellow, I, I came to understand as I got to know him. Um, he, uh, he, he liked to use the, um, the uh, rumor, the, and that's all he said it was, was a rumor, that he had been a CIA spy back in the times of the U.S. Army when he was an Army counterintelligence officer stationed in Japan during the Cold War. And he would say that much to you, but then somebody would say, well, what did you do? What, were you, what, were you thing, what things did you uh, accomplish? Well, um, I don't think it's appropriate to talk about that. And so he would just leave that hanging. You'd think, ooh, a spy. And so I'm not saying it didn't happen, but he never actually confirmed it to us. So naturally, the, uh, the uh, you know, when there's an absence of fact, rumors rush in so that everybody says he was a spy. Tell us a bit about the book. How did it come about? And, and give the listeners a little bit of your background, too, which is interesting in sure. itself. Well, thank you. Yes, I, I've, uh, I've, I've uh, happily misspent my youth as a racing journalist. I uh, sort of basically ran away and joined the circus when I was a kid or you know, young young guy. And uh, I've never left. I've had an absolutely wonderful time following Formula One and Can-Am and some IndyCar racing and even a little NASCAR around the world. I've uh, been uh, a magazine editor. I've done uh, race reports for Autosport, Auto Week, a whole bunch of other magazines. And I've done uh, Shadow is actually my uh, 18th book, I'm surprised to say. And it's probably the biggest one. And I'm delighted to do it. It was just a a joy to do it. Well, Pete, Jeff Orlowski here. Uh, Congratulations. 18 books. That's uh, one hell of an achievement. And it's only 18 more than I've ever uh, written. So, you uh, I, I, you don't have any competition coming from this side anytime soon. What is your what is like your favorite personal memory of the Shadow Team and you know the the fun drivers and everything that they had over there? Whoa! How much time have we got, Steve? Um, remember, they were actually active in racing for about twelve years, and they were in Formula One, in Can-Am, and in Formula Five Thousand. And there were probably close to thirty, you know, certainly over thirty professional drivers who ran the cars. And there were Don Nichols used to claim he made more than a hundred of cars, these cars, and so and there were at least fourteen specific uh, types of them. So you're asking me for my favorite. Gosh, I'm going to have to just jump in and say that the tiny tire car, the very first one, was the most eye-catching one. It was this roller skate on wheels that they used to, I'm sorry, this go-kart on steroids is what they used to call it. You know, it was a, a doorstop, a Chevy engine stuck in the back of it. And it debuted in 1970 and only ran three races. It didn't do it all well, but it, what it did was catch everyone's attention. 
And if it had been a conventional car, if Don Nichols had been a conventional person and just done a conventional car and had that kind of a record, it would have sunk without a trace. We'd not even remember the name anymore. But because that car was so electrifyingly eye-catching, we have never forgotten the name Shadow. And we it all goes back to that image created, I think, in 1969-1970. How did the name come about? Ah, there are stories there, too. Uh, there are people who will tell you, well, it's because of his uh, mysterious background as a spy. Uh, he also himself used to say that he uh, used to love listening to the Shadow radio program, which was the uh, the one where this guy goes, <laughs> what evil lurks in the hearts of men, the Shadow knows. Uh, and people thought that that was probably the main reason for the name, and he used to say it was part of it. But he and the guy who designed the first car, Trevor Harris, I spoke with both of them at great length about all this. And they seemed to agree that the actual genuine uh, reason for it was because they wanted to build a very, very low-profile car to reduce the frontal area so the car could go faster along the straight. And that was the whole key to the car, that it was much lower than a regular car. And... During a bench racing station one day, the two of them were sitting around saying, well, what, what's the lowest machine we could make it? How tall would it be? And they said, well, you know, actually, there's only one two-dimensional object in the universe, and that is a shadow. And the shadow is that the car cast is actually okay. the only two-dimensional thing you can have. And so, okay, that's a good name. We'll call it the shadow. Interesting, good stuff. We're talking to Don Lyons and the Great Midwest Bank, or I'm sorry, Pete Lyons and the Great Midwest Bank Hotline about his book, Shadow, The Magnificent Machines of a Man of Mystery. And I guess the most important question, Pete, is how can we get the book? Um, I would love it if people would come to me and get a personal signed autographed copy from me, which they can do at my website, which is simply Pete Lyons. Dot com. That's all one word, lowercase, and don't forget the S there, PeteLyons.com. Uh, but, of course, there are other places that, can, that uh, you know, retail it, and, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, uh, it's uh, published in England, and it's printed in Europe, so, it's, uh, and it's, so it's, it's fairly expensive. It's a big book. It's about $100. But, honestly, I think it's worth it. It's much thicker than the book they asked me to write. I, I, uh, I suffer from an inability to stop writing, I'm afraid. And it has 600-plus uh, photos in it, and every single model of Shadow is lavishly illustrated, talked about, and all of the people are interviewed. I interviewed as many as people as I could get, you know, a, a dozens of drivers, dozens of crew members, Don himself, uh, all the designers. Um, Penny Nichols, Don's daughter, who lives in Florida, she was with the team back in the 70s, and so I... I found her again. I spent a lot of time. She was helping us greatly with insights to her life with her dad. So honestly, I think it's a good value for uh, as expensive as it is. Well, if you got problems stopping writing, I hope you didn't write your own vows for your wedding, or uh, <laughs> it might still be going on now. <laughs> well, Luckily, Pete, we I certainly. Was so t- I was so tongue-tied that glorious day that I don't know that I said anything. 
<laughs> hey, we certainly take you. Uh, appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule being on the show today. Make sure you check out Pete Lyons. It's Pete and then L Y O N S uh, dot com for the. I, I, it's a fantastic book. I saw it up at Road America a few weeks ago when uh, George Fulmer and, and, and those guys were up there. Uh, had a wonderful time up there, and it it is worth the book. I mean, it's spectacularly uh, turned out. The the photos are awesome, and I really recommend it. Thank you. We, we will. We will have it on our, our, our Facebook page, too, and we'll also uh, tweet it out on our Twitter account on how to get the book. And, uh, Pete, we certainly appreciate taking time out. Dave, it's been a delight talking with you. Thank you very much. All right. Alice Pete Lyons on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Has your passion outgrown your home? A Great Midwest Bank home renovation loan may give it the space it deserves. Visit greatmidwestbank.com today. Simply local lending since 1935. Coming up, Tech. Coming up next, we'll talk with uh, Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com next on the Final Inspection Show. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, an abbreviated Final Inspection Show. We're running to the top of the hour here because we're going to have the um, the pillow windows and doors of Wisconsin on deck show with Tim Allen coming up at the top of the hour. And uh, Mitch, uh, who's leading off for the Brewers today? Omar Narvaez was the selection today by Brewers manager Craig Council, so he won the leadoff bingo today. Very nice. Good. Uh, Steve, does this mean that we get to... Uh do the second hour of our show during uh, the the post game show? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, I like that. yeah. A little final inspection, uh, <laughs> Brewers post game show combo. That would be phenomenal. Tim Allen's an NASCAR fan. So we'll talk to Tim Allen. Will be uh, joining uh, the airwaves at the top of the hour and joining us right now in the Great Midwest Bank Hotline from RacingNation.com. It is Eddie Lapine. How are you doing today, sir? Hey guys, how are you today? Busy, busy weekend in racing. It certainly is, and I, I just real quick here, uh, you know, with with Daytona Road Course, we got NASCAR there. You're, you're down in Florida. I mean, have you gotten any feedback from the fans? Is there any type of buzz? Any any you know kind of man on the street things talking talking about that at all? Well, I think it's a big deal. I mean, it's I think it's more in the circles of racing it's a big deal i mean the people that are regular fans but i think going to daytona for an inaugural road course race i think it's really going to be a very exciting race and this weekend with all three series being there this weekend too arca was there yesterday and today is the infinity it should be very exciting i i definitely you know, with the ringers being there and nobody getting any practice, I think we're going to be in for a big show today and tomorrow. Yeah, tell the fans uh, a certain Porsche driver is going to be running an Xfinity Series. Give us a little one-minute one background on him. Well, Earl 
Bamber, Porsche factory driver who is driving re- uh, lately in the IMSA. He raced at Road America a few weeks ago. I uh, had a little off-road excursion, but he is a Le Mans winner for Porsche, and uh, he's going to be running for Richard Childress, which he was very excited. I talked to him the other day and very excited. Uh, he said it's just been a dream to race in NASCAR series and uh, what better way to get your feet wet is driving for Richard Childress, one of the biggest names in NASCAR. So he'll be starting 20 today. He'll be rolling off the grid and driving the 21 car, and it should be very exciting. I mean, the guy's a hell of a driver, and to see him go to Daytona, which he has a lot of experience on the road course there, so we'll see if he can adapt fast in the car. Eddie, with NASCAR running the uh, 24 hours of Daytona course and uh, a track that none of the, you know, very few of the regular NASCAR drivers have driven, do you think that that helps even out the playing field with the young guys and the veterans, or do you think that just because of sheer experience that the veterans still have uh, quite the advantage with no practice and no qualifying? I think people that are that have driven the cars a lot more are going to have an advantage, but then you're going to have ringers. You know, A.J. Allmendinger is running today. And I think he's starting right around with Earl and guys like that that can adapt and that have experience on that course. Uh, recently, me driving there on the road course, but they have a little added adventure. They have a chicane coming off NASCAR 4, which I, I've heard it's about a 45-mile-an-hour chicane and they're going to have to come off the banking and it's going to be very exciting i mean those cars are just not made to break as good as a sports car a 3500 pound car and it's it's really going to be exciting i mean they keep saying it's going to be a crash fest you just don't know i mean the drivers have really been behaving themselves a lot better than i thought they would this year with the limited amount of racing and it's it's made the racing good so i I think we're going to be in for a really good exciting weekend at daytona and the weather hopefully won't be a factor you just never know what might blow in at daytona but looking forward to you know this weekend let's do uh predictions for the cup race down at daytona and uh, who do you like eddie in the cup race Oh, that that's a tough. I mean, I think I don't know Kyle Busch. I mean, he just he's had this season this year, and he recently ran the 24-hour race this year with Lexus at Daytona, and I just think he hasn't had that Kyle Busch kind of weekend. So I mean, year this year, right. and I think this could be a breakout for him. Jeff, what do you think? I'm going to go with uh, good old Matt D. Benedetto. I think that uh, him and Eric Amarola on a week-in, week-out basis have had cars that could get to victory lane. Neither one of them have made victory lane yet. I think one of them are due. I'm going to go with the burrito. All right, real quickly, then let's go Indy 500 Paul. Who do you got, Eddie? 
I don't know. Dixon's looking mighty good. And yeah, I, what about you? I want to go with him. I'm feeling the power. Give me my boy, Will. Okay, I'm going to give you a bonus. I'm going to give you my front row. I'm going to go with uh, Marco Andretti, Scott Dixon, and Will Power. So I think we're all on the same uh, same wavelength there. Uh, we got the Brewers uh, on deck show coming up. The uh, Pella Window Indoors of Wisconsin on deck show with Tim Allen coming up next. You've been li- listening to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda coming up next. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 